Hi, this is Ben Blacker, the creator of the Nerdist Writers Panel. Thank you for listening to this uh, very strange episode, which I had to share with you. It is from the uh, from ATX, the Austin TV Festival. It was the closing panel of the whole festival. Uh, and while it's not strictly about writing, uh, I think you guys will dig it. It is the Actors Roundtable. Uh, it has a crazy collection of actors from all over your television who give lots of great advice um, for actors and really for anyone who wants to get into the business. Uh, Joshua Molina from Scandal, Lucas Neff from Raising Hope, Scott Porter from Friday Night Lights, Matt Lauria also from Friday Night Lights, uh, Devin Gummersall from My So-Called Life, Nick Weschler from Revenge, Wilson Bethel from Heart of Dixie, and it's moderated by Evan Miller. They don't uh, introduce themselves at the beginning, uh, but you'll catch up pretty quickly, uh, and it gets pretty uh, off the rails pretty quickly as well. Uh, I think you guys will enjoy it. Speaking of Austin, this very week I'll be at the Austin Film Festival. I hope you will be too. On Thursday at 1 o'clock at the festival, we're doing a Nerdist Writers panel with our pal Ashley Miller, uh, who co-wrote X-Men First Class and the first Thor movie, and it was charming on the Nerdist Writers panel comics edition a few weeks ago. Um, Kel Cahoon, who's a great uh, TV writer. He's worked on everything from The Larry Sanders Show to News Radio, Just Shoot Me, King of the Hill, uh, will be joining us, as will Kelly Marcel, uh, who's writing the Fifty Shades of Grey movie, which we will definitely talk about, as well as Saving Mr. Banks, the Tom Hanks, uh, Mary Poppins movie that's coming out, uh, I believe, later this year. Uh, So that should be a lot of fun. Go to austinfilmfestival.com for the whole schedule. I'm moderating a bunch of stuff there. So come say hello if you're at AFF this year. I'm really looking forward to it. Today's writer's panel is brought to you by The Walking Dead, The Fall of the Governor, Part 1, the third book in the Governor novel series by Walking Dead creator Robert Kirkman and Jay Bonansinia. Uh, It's now available. This is the first half of a two-part Kill Bill-style finale to Kirkman's series, which explores the heart-wrenching and horrifying origin of the comic world's most infamous villain, Brian Blake, a.k.a. Philip Blake, a.k.a. The Governor. Get some more details at facebook.com slash walkingdeadnovels, where you can learn more about the entire series and read sneak peeks for all of the books. Now... Here's the panel from ATX, uh, the Actors' Roundtable. Enjoy. Now entering Nerdist.com. It's the Nerdist Writers' Panel on the Nerdist Podcast Channel. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Writers talking writing can get pretty exciting. The talk can be lightning. It's very, very frightening. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Yeah. Do you feel like, uh, because obviously whenever you're having to do, you're going in for 36 projects, there's a limited investment you can make, especially if you get that call a day, two days before you're supposed to go in. Do you feel like uh, the process changes once you actually have the job? It's remarkable and how, so. how invested you can get in something that you've known about for like 12 hours. <laughs> feel like if you did speed dating and every girl you met, you're like, I want to marry you. And then she's like... Go to hell. And you're like, I want to marry you. And she's like, fuck off. And then, you know, it's like down the road. It's basically what it's like. Or it can be. Like, I don't know. I love everything. I have, I have pretty low standards. 
capacity. You hear that, ladies? <laughs> <laughs> He's, talking about He's talking about work. He's talking about work. Where's your girl? Is she out there? You might want to apologize. <laughs> okay. uh, no, you just learn to be disposable. I mean, it's uh, parts of you become disposable. Like, uh, you hear that, ladies? <laughs> Uh, I think Liz, uh, who was it? Was it? It was on the casting deconstructed panel. Uh, was it Liz that was talking? Yeah, probably. Except Tiglar? I don't know what you're yeah. about to say. Uh, <laughs> read my mind. Um, no, she said. There's just you get a phone call and it's like you have to go in now or else you're gonna lose it. It's gonna go yeah. away. Like it's gonna go away. We're gonna lose the project. And you're like, holy shit! I am. It's, I'm gonna lose something I've never had before, and I don't want to lose it. And then, like, and then you go in and then. They don't like you, and then you're like, oh, damn it. And then they're like, but there's another one, and you're going to lose that one if you think it's just like, and that's, that's yeah, that's the process. Well, several of you guys have been on shows, and those lasted for quite a while. How, how is that as far as going from, I'm sure you feel like you have a family once you're on that show, and then whenever you leave that and you start the process over, is that, I mean, how... Is it just kind of part of the grieving thing? Like, all right, that's done. Now I'm going to go find a new family? Or how, how have you dealt with leaving one thing and transitioning to another, uh, another project? I can speak to that. Yeah. Um, I have an actual family, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's largely financial grieving yes. when, I, when I job it. Like, I can go home and hug my kids. For I'm, them I'm or for you? Yeah, yeah uh, for all of us. Uh, so, yeah, I've been lucky. I've, done, uh, I've been on plenty of things that lasted very briefly. I've been on a series that lasted 11 episodes, a series that ran two, not, I guess, shot five, ran two. I've been lucky enough to jump onto a show that was like a already a running train, uh, the West Wing, and then Scandal was the first time I've been on something that kind of looked very shaky. Um, I think West Wing gets that. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, all credit to Aaron Sorkin uh, uh, for most of my career too. Um, but then Scandal was the first thing that started shaky. I went to sleep. This is how pathetic I am. I went to sleep with my uh, phone in my hand. Uh, so that I could wake up and immediately start looking for the ratings. And I did. And I Googled it, and it was like, uh, Modest Bow. You don't want to see Modest Bow (laughs) as the headline for your show. And Soft Start, which you don't ever want to read in bed. Um, (laughs) So that's what I woke up to. So immediately the anxiety of like, oh, shit, Uh, you know, this again. Uh, So this is the first time that something that started, oh, shit, seems to be turning into something that actually has some momentum. And that's far preferable to all the other scenarios. Yes. Especially for your uh, finances, right? Yes, there you go. Oh. Although, I mean, uh, in fairness, you do get close to... Uh, you spend probably, when you're shooting, uh, especially a drama, more time with your you know, colleagues than, than with your family. So you do get yeah. that closeness. What do you think the percentage of like, long-lasting friendships that you've made from the shows that you worked on is? What, I mean... That's a good question. Well, I tend to... I forge the kind of friendships where uh, we'll never get together... But when I run into you, it's going to be like old times. It'll be, I mean, yeah. I'm such a dad. You know, I spend all my time. I really spend, I am a family guy, so I don't have a thriving social life. You hear that, ladies? <laughs> um, but I do. But you have that kind of bond where I might not see you in a while, but when I do, it's, you know, yeah. well, pick up where you left off. Speaking of that, like, I know you obviously came on to Friday Night Lights after it had been running for a while. Like, did you come in where you just like, love me or you know was it a process kind of warming up to everybody and and you know becoming a part of that family on something that was established 
Yeah, I think it's hard because I think that so much of the bonding happens in that sort of speed dating sense. In the pilot, when you develop a project, you're all staying in a, in usually some, in a quite often a foreign town in a hotel together. And it's usually a nice hotel, and they give you money for food, and so you just all hang out and bond, 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 and um, and you also you know you're also bonded by this this wonderful feeling of anticipation and creativity. That's that's you know. You don't know what's going to happen to this thing that you're building, but you're building it together, and hopefully they're with creative people who you um, who you respect and in some way are endearing to you. And so, um, so you know. But then after that, you know, people start to do their own thing and have their own lives. And so, with Friday Night Lights, I, I didn't. Um, you know, I felt an immense responsibility to want to uphold the standard that had been set, and then, um, uh, but. You know, I, I don't. You know, I think that, and everyone was really warm and welcoming and very nice. But um, I, I, yeah, we weren't like, who's the new guy? Yeah, we weren't. Yeah. We weren't like hazed or anything like that. We hazed the guy who came. Like I'd been there for there was like three seasons. I was there for one season. New guy comes the next season. We're like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> but um, no, but there's no haze or anything. But the, it was run. Every, the system was running so well that you just want to do your best to kind of like humbly duck into it and not, not get in the way of something that's already really pure and great. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm sure um, on the same token, there's, you know, being a series regular where you're there the whole time, but you also have people who are coming in just for the week who, you know, maybe especially if you're on location, they're flying out, they're there for a second, they do their job, and then they leave. And how, how I mean, one, when you're on that, as you, as you come into a, an established show for just a week, you don't even have a chance to maybe find that... Um, part of the family, I guess. Um, and how, I guess, have are, are you guys shooting? Like, how do you feel about the fact that a lot of your shows are going to shoot on location? So you're away, like you're talking about family and that kind of thing. Now you're away from your family for a large part of the year. Are you trying? I mean, is it the hope? Well, I can you know have them come out and visit, or you know, it is kind of a transient lifestyle. Um, That's right. Well, I've been know. lucky. Uh, that nobody wants to put me in features. Those are often on location. So that was, that's been really fortunate. Um, and that, no, I have been lucky that in the series that I've shot, they've largely been L.A. based. So, even, you know, even uh, West Wing's fake D.C. was largely, uh, you know, at Warner Brothers, and occasionally we'd pop out to D.C. and shoot for a couple days at a time. Um, uh, Scandal's faux D.C. is entirely... I'm actually almost disappointed because I love Washington, D.C., but the CGI is so good now that we don't need real D.C. <laughs> Essentially, we'll just throw a green screen uh, uh, you know, over a pair of nice stairs and it'll be the Lincoln Memorial. And it, and it looks amazing. Um, so I did uh, In Plain Sight, which shot in, um, in New Mexico. And so I would pop there uh, back and forth. It would be difficult for me uh, to leave town for, for months at a time, especially that first year. There, there have been times when... You know, I don't, I don't, in my career, I don't have the luxury to say no to everything I'm not dying to do. <laughs> there have been, it depends where, where, you know, it's a roller coaster, and there are times where I'm like, honey, there's this thing, it's shooting in Chicago. Right. They're interested in me, I kind of, but uh, it's also so tenuous. It's, gonna, it's a pilot, then if it gets picked up, it's 13 episodes, and you're not going to move your family to Chicago and change schools and do all that for 13. So when does it feel right to make that commitment and so, so I have been fortunate that I've stayed LA based and is that a preference of as far as doing television as opposed to film is that there's a, a little bit more of the stability uh, who make film 
<laughs> to keep me in TV. So, but in, in terms of purely uh, as a daddy, uh, it is actually preferable just because it's you know one job that could potentially last a while in one locale. I, I wanted to um, I want to speak to the guest star thing because uh, you know yeah. I've had the opportunity to be that guy quite a bit. You know I've, I'm the one series. Uh, every series I've been on has only lasted one one year or less. That's my, that's my lucky number. Um, but uh, it's funny. I was going to just talk about doing the, um, the guest star thing. It can be funny because you go in and, especially if it's like a procedural that's been on for a long time, which I've done a, a lot of, it's so funny because you go in and, like, these guys are so over it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like you know, the seventh year, and they're just like, yeah, you, so what do you think? Do you think he was uh, at the restaurant or did he, uh, you know, yeah, was it, the, was it Colonel Mustard? You know what I mean? Like, they're just like so... They're just, you know, chilling, you know, I mean, and you go in and you usually the guest star on a procedural has some seriously high stakes drama going on. You know, you're either the murderer or yeah. yeah. And so it's funny because you go in and you're kind of like, all right, I got to like cry and scream and like do all this crazy emoting. And these guys are just like throwing the football around between (laughs) takes, you know, and you're like, guys, can you help me out a little bit? You know, I'm here. I'm here. No. Uh, So that can be pretty funny. But yeah, I think uh, I think it's. Usually, I mean, if I was going to speak about the traveling thing, too, I mean, I think, uh, I think it's a great part of it. I mean, just, it's just fun to be able to be in a city long enough where you really get to feel like you, you live there for part of the year. I think that's a real, for me, it's, it's been a, one of my favorite parts of being an actor, you know, just because when you're in a place for a few days or a week, it's like, you know, you, you never really get to know it or have a routine, but it's kind of a, a blessing to get to live somewhere for two, three months, you know, mm-hmm. unless it's hungry in the middle of winter. <laughs> Which I did, which was not fun. What was that? What was that for? Uh, it was an HBO movie called uh, "When Trumpets Fade." It was a, about a World War II battle, and uh, yeah. I think it was cool. I think a couple things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's our uh, resident intellectual down there. Cool. Thank you very much. Um. I'm a, a person who my family, I come from a fairly small family. I have one brother. Um, but they, he, they all live thousands of miles away from me um, in Los Angeles. And I think uh, it speaks to sort of the other aspect for us who don't have families and don't really want them. <laughs> I respect that. Um, yeah. It's pretty early, isn't it? <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's that this business is, I think... Yeah, all right, it's going there. <laughs> um, if this, if you're going to survive in this business, I think you have to learn how to how to be alone. I think that a huge percentage of your time is spent in your trailer by yourself, Why are you just at me? waiting. <laughs> Listen, man, I just want to take an opportunity to try and make a difference. Um, no, you, 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 there are bonds and there's stuff and you go out, you know, people do their like going out in the hotel and hanging out and there's like festivals or things where you run into people and you make friendships. But a lot of the businesses, you're driving by yourself somewhere for an audition by yourself. You hang out, you go, you leave, you drive, you're by yourself. Um, L.A. in particular is a very disparate city. Everything is very far apart. And if you don't have a family, you spend a lot of time by yourself. And the way shooting happens, especially on like a single camera, um, versus a multicam, which is a fucking great gig. It's so shitty. It's such shitty product, but it's such a fucking great gig. 
<laughs> you work like two days a week. You come in at half an hour a couple times. You shoot on Fridays for like five hours or Thursdays or whatever the fuck. You make a shit ton of money. I'm all about the art, I promise you. <laughs> but with single cam, with dramas, hour longs, uh, whatever the fuck I'm on, I'm sure some of you probably, you have no idea. Um... <laughs> It's ten. It's ten hour days if you're lucky. It can go. It can run twelve to fifteen hour days if they don't have a great AD if, or, and they, they overshoot. Which means that five days a week on on half hour shows to create twenty two minutes of television, you shoot Monday through Friday for twenty two weeks out of the year, and you shoot between ten to thirteen hours a day. And if you're a regular principal, you're there pretty much all of those hours. So for six months out of the year, you live in your trailer on set, and I happened to shoot in Chatsworth, California, which is the former porn capital of the world before digital. Now it's just, I think, you know, one of the, like, top five meth counties, but it's... Anyway, it's a real happy place. Um, so I walk around a lot, and I make a lot of friends, but uh, you, spent, you, you have to learn how to be by yourself, and you have to learn how to be alone, and I don't see my family often, and you got to learn how to, like live in that environment and be happy and be creative and still tap into whatever it is that makes you creative and makes it fun. (laughs) Trailer life is cool in like Los Angeles because you you know it's going to stay in one place. Like if you shoot on location, when we we shot Friday Night Lights, you didn't have your own trailer. That's it. They had a couple of trailers. They were just, they had to shuttle around all over the city and now on Heart of Dixie, we never leave the Warner Brothers lot. So I, I, I bought a 55-inch TV. I put it in there. <laughs> I made them run 180 yards of internet cable into my trailer so I can get on Xbox Live. Um, and it's it's actually like like a little home away from home. But like when you're on location, Scott literally stays. It we'll we'll rap, he'll rap shooting at eight o'clock. The, the guys who like manage the lot are like rapping on his door at like midnight. Like, uh, dude, we gotta lock up, man. He's in there. He's like fucking cooking microwave burritos. He's got his tanning booth set up. We're like, Scott, let's go, Doc. Uh, um, yeah, but it's like it's it's cool if you're stationary because you can kind of make it like an extra room of your house almost like just but then when we wrap and I go home and I take all the stuff out of my trailer home to the house my wife's like where did all this fucking come from find a place for it now um no but I think a lot a big part of this business in all seriousness is is giving up control of your life (laughs) to other people if you're saying look you're saying look the fucking happiest panel (laughs) do you get the underlying message better career in acting give up now (laughs) no it's just it's it's kind of you you can't say no if you want to do like a really great show and you want to tell really great stories you'll go wherever they tell you to I, I shot a pilot in Prague I shot a pilot in Thailand I I got to move here to Austin, which was awesome, but I would have never moved to this city had I not booked Friday Night Lights because I just I would have never thought that would be the next step uh, to take for me to have a successful career. And it was the best step I ever took, but it's you have to just kind of go. You just got to kind of let go and let God deal with it and go, okay, all right, I'll go to, I'll go to Chicago for eight months this year, and I know I'm going to be cut off from you know family or... I'm going to have to have a rough go of it for a little while, but it pays huge dividends 
at, in the end. Uh, and eventually, hopefully, you'll get work where you live. And eventually, you'll get to the point where you get to say, I don't want to go to Vancouver again for another <laughs> year and a half. Uh, <laughs> which, you know, which can be tough, but it, it's, it's, it's like he said. You, you know, you go to Chicago and then eventually, hopefully, get a show that, that you shoot where you live. Uh, I think, Nick, you're in L.A., right? Yeah. You guys shoot in L.A.? Lucas is in Chatsworth, which is right outside of L.A. Uh, Come visit. My... <laughs> really great city. We shoot in L.A. as well. I mean, you know, it, it's not all bad all the time, but it is a lot of just going, I can't have a regular, I can't, I can't plan Thursday night, you know, poker with my buddies because chances are I'll be able to make it, you know, once every, you know, 12 weeks uh, possibly, but it's a price you pay for doing what you want to do, what yeah. you what you want to do for a living. I, I look. I had on Revenge. Everybody basically whined after the pilot was made because we shot it in, in uh, North Carolina. Um, we were shooting right next to you guys. I remember. Oh yeah. 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 yeah and, and so they, they were, you know, like I can't, I can't, I can't live here. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was like, shut the fuck up. You'll live. You'll live. You'll live where the fucking job takes you. Because like, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I had, I did a series like 11 years ago or something. And, and, uh, and actually, we, we met on that. And um, it, it was, I, I haven't really worked since then, you know? And, and that's another thing we should talk about. Like, yeah. just, that's, there's, there's a, As if you weren't the yeah. best artist. Yeah. <laughs> We're going that's, there. That's the, reason, that's the reason you give up. Uh, you know, you give up. You give up and because you're like, look, I will... Sorry to interrupt our broadcast, but I wanted to tell you about Audible and this great book I'm reading. For our listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. You can download your choices and access them on PC, burn them onto CDs, or upload them to iPods or other MP3 devices. It's quick, easy, fun, and affordable entertainment for people of all ages. One audiobook to consider is one I am right now reading, uh, Jim Henson, The Biography, by Brian J. Jones, and it's narrated by Kirby Kirby Hayborn, who does a great job. Um, It's a really comprehensive biography of Jim Henson. It's absolutely fascinating from... His very beginnings uh, doing Salmon Friends and these five-minute snippets all the way through the Sesame Street and the Muppet Show. Um, I think you guys will really enjoy this book if you have any interest in television or writing at all or the Muppets, and who doesn't? Uh, for a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash nerdistwriters. That's audiblepodcast.com slash nerdistwriters. Now back to the Actors' Roundtable. But it is really true that you have to learn how to manage your, your time and, and stay positive and, and figure out a way to be productive, um, you know, when you're not working. But I think, um, you know, I think also now it's a lot easier to make films because of the technology that's out there, and it's a lot easier. I, and I kind of feel like there's no excuse. I mean, I think I think actors should should uh, try try and make their own stuff in the in the in their downtime. You know, whether it's a short film or a documentary or whatever i mean you can make a movie for you know a very reasonable amount of money now especially if you're on a series i mean you got you got you got paychecks you know what i mean um but i think that's important too and i think it's changing a bit i mean i think there's a lot of examples of of uh people kind of figuring out a way to do it themselves and i think that's a positive thing um and i think there's something to be said too for like 
Look, even when you're not working, you're in a creative environment. You're surrounded by creative people. Even when you're auditioning, which can be really crappy because you're getting rejected all the time. But you're getting to do what you love to do, which is like create characters, uh, you know, exercise this kind of wonderful fantasy life. And, and you're doing it around other people who are trying to do the same thing. And if you can get kind of past, like, the vile competitiveness of it, which does exist, there's a lot of other, like, cool, like-minded people who are doing the same thing. And I know a lot of people who have figured out a way, you know, kind of once you get past, like, the like late teens, early 20s, like, you know, everybody's jockeying for some kind of position. You know, dudes who have been doing this a long time, and ladies too, obviously, uh, there's... There's, like, a pretty solid brotherhood. Like, I feel like anybody who's been acting for, like, more than five years, six years, I don't know, arbitrarily, <laughs> like, uh, they've been through, like, the same battles together. And there's, like, a real sense of, like, oh, you have the same scars I do. Yeah, like, we're all shit. abused children. <laughs> like, we, but we're also creative. We're also talented. And I, uh, for all of, like, you know, I... I carry a lot of burdens around all the time about oh I didn't get this part of it whatever but I'm also like dude I get I get to work with people who like I've watched their stuff and like been deeply inspired by and and been moved by and it's um, I, I just think it's such an honor and we and not only that but we always have the opportunity to cont- to work with more of those people you know as long as we're in it there's always a shot that we'll like get a role opposite Anthony Hopkins or, you know, um, I don't know, Rodney Dangerfield. No, he's good. Yeah. Uh, but personal hero. Um, I, I don't know. It's just like that to me, that's like, it's very inspiring. It's exciting. So I don't know. Look, I feel crappy a lot of the time too, but there's like a beautiful part of this business too. Well, and for, uh, ask one more question before we should let the audience ask a few as well. But um, just for that perspective, like, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, we're not spending our days on the ass end of a shovel. Like, it is a very, you know, nice life. You're getting to tell stories for a living. You're getting to, you know, do something that a lot of people dream and hope to be a part of. And um, to put it all in perspective, I would like to ask everyone, what was your last menial day job before you finally became a professional actor? So that you can, you know, put it in perspective of what you were doing. So whoever wants to start first can. Uh, real quick, um, I cleaned a house. I was starting to clean houses um, the week before I got the audition. So, uh, I don't know, was it five or six days before I auditioned for Raising Hope, I was scrubbing somebody else's toilets. So, you know, life was pretty good. <laughs> Should have gone to the Right? I know. Don't, you know. I keep the brushes around just in case. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> were you alone when you were scrubbing that toilet? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a second. (laughs) You mean like in the bathroom alone? Was there like someone watching me? Not that way, kid. (laughs) Deeper, deeper. (laughs) Uh, And the answer is yes, that happened. No, um, no, I was by myself. I was like, I had about five bucks to my name. It was like either I eat this morning or I have coffee. And so that's always a tough choice. Um... (laughs) 
And, uh, you know, but I, 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 there was no chance I was going to do anything else. My, my, both my parents are artists. My brother's an artist. We're all working. Nobody had made any money in my family before this. Um, so we all knew that we were doomed to this fucking lifestyle. But I really dig it. I think it's great. I think it's magical. I think there's a transcendent power that comes to a, a story well told. And, uh, you know, an opportunity to connect ourselves to our deeper humanity. So I'm happy to scrub a couple toilets if that's what it takes. Uh, well, I, I started early, as you, some of you probably know. I was, I was like 14, 15. So I, I actually never have had a day job, which is kind of weird. Um, but I, I have to say, like, there was a time in my probably early 20s when I was on a pretty good streak of being on shows and whatever. And I, I, I kind of felt a little bit of guilt about never having had a day job. But ten years later, I'm like, man, I'm good. I am, I am not guilty, man. I've earned it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, not, you know, having these stretches where you don't work for three, three years or something uh, as an actor is, is, is it's, it's enough dues. You know, I think, I think it's, uh, it's, but, but in seriousness, though, I think, um, I think it's really important if you're, if you're serious about acting and, uh, you know, you're going to get into the business. I think it's really important to have some other way to, to make money because, um, and something that doesn't like, you know, hopefully kind of destroy your 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 uh you yeah. know your your positivity or your you know something that you can you don't mind doing or whatever but i know i mean i remember hearing um somebody who is it that flips houses what's his name the uh vanilla ice no 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 <laughs> yes jeremy renner right no no the guy, jeremy renner right? jeremy renner that's right yeah jeremy renner and he you know he always flipped houses like he and him and his brother i guess were in construction and they would actually like physically redo houses and then that's what allowed him to kind of keep trying for so long and you know finally he, he, he caught a break but I think I do think seriously it's important to have something else that you can do to make money so it just takes some of the pressure off because it's so hard to get uh, to get roles but when you go into a room and, and you have the additional pressure of, of you know needing money it's it's almost impossible I mean you know you, it's a, bad enough just to kind of really want it and to be you know want it artistically but when you need it financially that's that, that's I think Really yeah, makes it and, and, impossible and when you need when you need it for it's when it's your sole source of emotional income. Yeah, like that's that's hard. I, I would I would advise having um, something else going on, uh, you know, a, 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 another career or um, just you know like well another career and hobbies and, and it's just like a creative another creative outlet another, or something yeah. else to feel I've satisfied. I always thought it was interesting how like it you know at some point it became this kind of motto in in Los Angeles in acting yeah. schools or whatever where they're like if you can do anything else then you shouldn't be an actor. Yeah, yeah. I'm like Absolutely. if you can't do anything else you probably shouldn't be a human being. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, like <laughs> acting unless you're like incredibly blessed acting is not a full-time job. Um, and, and like, you need to have creative pursuits that stoke your fire, that inform characters that you'll ultimately be playing, and not all of that exists in a fantasy world in your living room preparing sides for some yeah. crappy sitcom, you know? That involves being part of the world and experiencing what it's like to get, you know, sh fucking shat on at a, you know, restaurant job or, uh, or, or ignited while you're, while you're flipping a house or, you know, you know, watching a, you know, painting a sunset or something. Like, there's so many ways that actors find creativity in things that have nothing to do with acting. And that, that will always inform you and make you a better actor, I think, in the long run. I don't know. 
but but I so think what, it's it's important so because it's a passive. Day job? Sorry, <laughs> yeah, I think we sorry. might have lost track. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, sorry, yeah, we definitely lost track. Well, you know, I, I it's funny because I I I mean I have I've had a million day jobs and I've waited tables in just about every restaurant in Los Angeles, um, and I actually love waiting tables. And it's weird, like Quit I. Nothing. I had my first I had my first break I did an HBO miniseries uh, and I was like oh like this is gonna be it like I'm you know I'm, now I'm, I've like finally made it I was like 23 years old Generation and, Kill um, and I and I didn't work for like six months after I got back for that or something maybe a little bit longer and I was like I'm really bored I want to go back to waiting tables. And I wasn't broke, but, like, I missed it. And I felt like, why am I sitting around on a couch waiting for somebody to offer me a job when there's a job that I know, like, gives me... Like, I like interacting with people. I find that it brings out, like, you know, something fun in me. So, like, I went back to waiting tables, and it was really weird. And then I got a job on a soap opera for a while. I was working on a soap opera and riding my bicycle to the Chateau Marmont and waiting tables after I got off work at the soap opera. And I remember one night I got off... Work. I got off work at the soap opera, and I, I rode up, and then like four of like my the castmates who were like I had just like finished a scene with were like sipping like apple martinis, and I'm like, hey guys, this is a little weird, but uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. But like it's you know I think it's so much kind of like you know if you feel like oh I'm demeaning myself, and there is there's a lot of like you know obviously actors there's a lot of people with big egos and stuff in Hollywood, but like there's also you know, it's all about how you look at it. I don't know. It's it's my journey. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> You've got to not have such an ego. It's hard because you, you're handed the keys, keys to the kingdom. Like, you get to wear the crown for a while. Mm. And then and then someone puts a broom in your hand. And you're like, oh, God, I don't know if I can deal with this. So you keep finding, you know, trying to find ways to shirk those those duties. But, but you gotta, you can't have too much pride for it. I say that, but I have had too much, <laughs> and much, much like Devin, you know, I've, I've worked. When I first moved to LA, I, I stuffed envelopes for Christmas money, and then, uh, and then I came back and did that for a little longer, uh, and, um, and then got a gig. And then after that gig, I worked in a record store, and those are the only two jobs I've had. But I've managed to like. The, the only problem is. <clears throat> I, I lived on money from one gig and the supplemental income of the occasional residual check and then the, like, once-a-year guest spot that I got. Um, so it gave the illusion that I was, like, a successful actor. <laughs> but I was running on the fumes of my old career. Um, and and that is why I say you can't, you can't, you got to have something else. Like, I was about to, right before the gig I have now, I was I was down to my last like twenty grand and, and I was I was just I was just staring down the barrel of like not knowing what to what I was gonna do next. I was actually I started going to SMC um, where there was just a shooting. Yeah. What? Um, yeah, crazy. We cannot go to shootings. We have been so dark if we start talking about the shootings. <laughs> they may come take us off of the stage. I just figured somebody else was going to say it if I didn't. But I, w- I started going to SMC uh, to, to prepare for like life after acting. Um, and, then, and then like a year later, I got, uh, I got this. So, yeah, you just got to have patience. You've you got to understand that if you're going to do it, most of what you're going to deal with is 
and I say this not even to be a downer, but just to be realistic, most of what you're going to deal with is rejection. So, um, you know, you're, you're, you're lucky if you, if you get a job. It, it is a business that rewards persistence and, and some talent, but uh, there's so much luck that it's, you know, it's hard to count on anything. I, 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 want, to, uh, I want to do a quick plug. Because um, my day job has become now uh, also writing and directing. And I wrote my first feature, and, and it's coming out, and I directed it. It's coming out August 6th. And, uh, and if every single one of you pay four ninety nine and watch it on vi- video on demand, I will maybe make some money back for, the, for my producers. But it's called Low Fidelity, so you should check it out. Sorry for the plug. But I was thinking also, it, one thing that I think is a positive way to kind of keep... Um, keep creative is that you know we get to as as actors we get an opportunity to work with a with a lot of great writers and directors and stuff and and i would say like you know you can ask you can not be shy and say hey can i come in the editing room and and check it out or can i can i go in the writer's room and watch and see how it goes or you know whatever like people are surprisingly open to kind of you know the bedroom yeah (laughs) uh i sometimes ask you know the grips if i can Carry a light around? No, but you know people are open to, to, to that. No, I never do that. No, who would do that? That's that's insane. You know how hot those lights get. Um, why don't we? Uh, does anybody in the audience have questions? We open it up to you guys for. Everyone's so frightened. Uh, yeah. Can I, I just want to say I haven't said a lot, but I, I do want to say. Um, just, just I think that everything that every, everyone has expressed is absolutely true in many ways. And then there's also other sides of it too, like like Wilson was saying, like. You know, there's other ways of looking at it, and I, um, I, I've heard of you know who Jim Parsons is, and I've heard stories about he's he's represented at one of the places that I'm rep- my, my like my manager's coworker or something represents him, and um, he looks at every opportunity to audition as like I'm never going to get a chance to play this role again, and like Wilson was saying, it is an incredibly creative and exhilarating, um, feeding artistic place to kind of, you know. Ride and you know, and there's the ups and the downs. But I, I remember um, Friday Night Lights was like the biggest break that I had had um, in my career. It's one of the greatest things I'll ever probably do. And um, I remember I walked out of the audition once I tested for it, and I called my manager and I said, "Listen, man, I don't care whether or not I get the part, but just having that audition experience with those individuals in the room who I respect so much and who I know to be discerning artists." For them to appreciate me and accept me, even just for those ten minutes, was the most rewarding thing. And I know that, that you're like, well, how does that? That doesn't, you know, translate to commerce. And how are you going to live off of that? But in some ways, I can live off of you know that, and I can get a menial job. And um, you know, and then you find other jobs that like. Uh, I don't know. I just think, and, and in terms of the loneliness thing too, I, in some ways that that is absolutely true. And and they can be incredibly long days, and you can be working fourteen hours a day, and and your weekends are devoted to trying to memorize this crazy language that you have to, you know, this technical language that you have to, you know, spit out on first thing Monday morning at 6 a.m. But, um, but you know, I, I've just found such warmth within the cast. Or, you know, my wife and I still, we still enjoy the fact that we are spoiled with how much time we get to spend with another, one another compared to other nine to five jobs where you come home, you sit in front of the TV and maybe, you know, speak a couple of words over a TV dinner or whatever. We, 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 when I'm not working, we spend all day together and it's, I mean, it's a gift. So, um, I don't know. There's, there's the perks as well. Oh yeah. Wife of the year award. <laughs>
<laughs> All right. Um, was it you were the first person here? All right. <laughs> I've, I've got the greatest job in the world I go to work and I play every day And even when I was playing a, a broken young man Who was uh, on this incredibly lonely journey uh, When I first started Friday Night Lights I didn't shoot with the rest of the cast They would all shoot together at football games And go play football And I would go and lay by myself in a hospital bed In a real hospital huh. And, and talk to young men who really had injuries. And I would go home and I would be, I had like a little, like, a little snap of like, oh God, this is going to be really rough. And then I saw Angelina Jolie on uh, Inside the Actor's Studio and she said, uh, when she did, did she do Girl Interrupted? Was that, yeah, Girl Interrupted, that she was taking all of that weight home with her and it almost killed her and you just can't do that. And so I learned very early on, like, even if you're playing the most insane role, you're still playing. You're still doing something that other people would give anything to do. So I, I don't, sometimes I get frustrated. Yeah, it's like any other job sometimes, just because you do have a boss and you do have people telling you where to go and when to go and how to do it. And, but it's the most incredible job in the world. I play for a living and uh, I, don't, I don't need therapy. I'm, uh, I'm in love with what I do and I'm lucky as hell. Speak for yourself a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I, mean, I agree with Scott, man. No therapy, but... <laughs> no, but you know, you know um, I don't know, I think if you concentrate on, like, there's, there's, it's a gift that you're giving, too. Like, I mean, if we're just, you know, there is something to be said for, like, the young artist, you know, a young actor who's like, I want to go through it, and, like, and I've been in those, those roles that require that, too, but that, you know, the torment is some aspect of it, you know? But at the end of the day, it becomes, pardon my language, a little bit masturbatory if you're not... If it has everything to do with yourself and nothing to do with what you're trying, the product that you're trying to convey or give, and so I don't know, I don't know. I don't, am I wrong? I mean, you guys are not. I've just started this shit, but you know. Wait, I, I, I do want to ask. I think it's about what it's like if you keep an eye on what the. Is that a real question? What, no, but I just think if you keep an eye on um, what, you know, what 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 we're working on this for, what the point of it is to like sort of. Uh, you know, the benefit, hopefully in some way it can be humane or it can be uplifting or enlightening or um, educate in some way, teach empathy. And if that's the goal, then I, it's really not that bad of a gig, even if you do have to be a murderer or something crazy. I don't know. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's to entertain. I, I worked at Disney World um, for years. I beatboxed and sang in a street corner uh, children's sing-along group called the Happy Campers. Uh, um, but we offer, what we do ends up offering an escape to people if they're having a rough time or, you know, it, it's a communal experience for some people who get together every week and, and like, call their friends up and go watch Breaking Bad. It's, it's, like, crazy, like, stressful it can be to watch that show. You're still together with friends watching that show. And I worked at uh, Disney World the day uh, on 9-11, and we shut down the park for an hour and then they said, you know what? People are, are looking to be with people. People are looking to, to be in a community. And, and we went out and we did our children's sing-along show like all day, every day, because it offered people just a little bit of respite. Um, 
when it was in the darkest, you know, times or whatever. So it's like what we get to do uh, can entertain and uplift, and and I think that's all. Like I just let it all, all my stress and everything, go into the work, and then it's our, it's gone from me, and then hopefully it's able to pull some stress from other people's lives. It's kind of cool to be a part of that. And was that a real question? Because. <laughs> Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I answered it like it was one, and then I was like, wait, was she wait. joking? But you answered it really well, because I think that, I think, as an actress, I think that's really important to remember that it's playing, and that's so much fun to play, yeah. and instead of it being a job. Did uh, anyone? This room here. Yeah. Be grateful for what you have. Love, love what you do. Just love it. Um, I, I also just think that like you don't become an actor because you think you're bad at it. Do you know what I mean? Like every single person who's ever wanted to be an actor thinks they're fucking great. Like, do you know what I mean? And like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you need that. And I think you know you have to, you know, be honest with yourself. Of like, you know, don't don't ever lie to yourself about who you are or what you look like. Or how you sound, like learn to appreciate and embrace the things that make you uniquely you, and then know that yeah, you're you know the reason you're doing this is you're fucking great, you know. Like and and if you walk in thinking no, you know there's others better than me, I think people can feel that. I think insecurity is normal, but I think that it, fear is like animals. You can you, know, you can smell it. And I think that, like, confidence is everything. I, all I know is, like, all the, all, there are dudes who fucking suck in Hollywood. I don't know many of them. <laughs> but I, I will tell you that, on average, in my experience, the confident ones book more work. Not, not necessarily the talented ones all the time. The ones who walk in and are just like, no, I'm, this is, yeah, you should hire me. And I, I think part of that speaks to it's not even necessarily confidence in your talent. It's confidence in who you are. Yeah. yeah. Because if you go in there, you're not going to be right for any part, for every part, no matter what. But if you go in there and you feel like, no, I know exactly who I am. 90% of Hollywood doesn't have a fucking clue who they are. Or you know? And if, But if you feel re- that confidence in yourself of like, no, I am inalienably myself, mm-hmm. uh, then you, have a be- you already have a leg up on the vast majority of people in that town. Who are so wishy-washy? Who like want to, You know, they're they're positioning themselves in some way. And like, as human beings, we can see through that crap all the time. And casting directors are like the best people in the world at seeing through that crap. People who are you know posturing and all that jazz. It's just you know like, be a real person. Like know who you are, and that's already you're, you're like way ahead of the curve. I think that's well, a good also, a good call because a lot of times people get cast for essence. There's two yeah. there's two different ways people get cast. They either get cast because they're, of their talent at playing this character or they get cast because just of their essence, of who they are. And, and I think what, what he's saying is great is a really good point because basically uh, most of the time it kind of comes down to your essence. I mean, you walk in and you just you have a certain vibe to you and they're like, oh my God, that, this, is, this feels right. And it just kind of clicks, right? And it's true. If you're trying to be something you're not or if you're not confident in yourself, just kind of like being enough, you know, regardless of your, of your skill level or your experience level or your you know, what you've done in the past, it just, that is a great point. I think that, that makes a big difference because a lot of times it's just about the guy who walks in the room and just, they're interested in you 
and they can't be interested in you if you're doing something fake or if you're trying to kind of pretend you're something you're not, you know? The other thing to keep in mind is that you're... Uh, a friend of mine told me about this, this quote, which I will have to paraphrase, but... Um, it's probably some well-known lady, but... Um, Maya who, who Angelou. <laughs> probably, or whatever. And, uh, and, but it's something like... My, my paraphrase of it is... There's a hole in the market in the shape of you, and the only one who can fill it is you. So, like, I can't, I can't do what you do. I can't be you. Um, so whatever your thing is, uh, you're the only one who can provide the, the world with it. So put it out there and let the world decide whether or not there's any value to it, if I can, like, you know, and there will be, but it, let them determine where it falls, and you know, in their eyes. Let the, let, don't count yourself out. And if they don't see it right away, then you might have to make the movie that shows who you are. You know what I mean? Like, everybody in this room has a story that's compelling, and if, if some, you know, director or casting director or producer is, is too thick to see, like, that, oh, I don't see, I don't see a marketable film, then, like, like we were saying, you know, like the tools are there. You can tell your story now, and and you can also give yourself the skills to make it as compelling as your life is. You know, that's and that's that's pretty inspiring to me. Your story. <laughs> I don't even know you, man. <laughs> and it, it's okay to fail. Like, don't let failure or or anything like that hurt who you are like give yourself permission to have shitty days like I'm not the type of actor who's great every day I deliver real shit performances sometimes and like at a certain point I had to sort of acknowledge that where I'm like alright you know so I'm just pretty fucking terrible today um, but give yourself permission to not be perfect and still keep going like when you hold yourself to a, to an uh, an unrealistic standard, you're setting yourself up for continual and perpetual failure, which will just eat away at your psyche. So just like give yourself permission to be human, which is, you know, flawed, imperfect, and unique. You know? And there. at worst, you will always be you. Like even if you don't hit the target, if you have some target in your mind, which is my, my problem, I'm always aiming for something, and I'm way off the tar- target, but the people, people who are watching don't know... Um, what my target was so you know I have to accept that that, that it's you know I, I'm not we are not the best judge of our own success anyway um, do we have yes Yeah, at least I mean, a couple of years, yeah. definitely. First, first job the, the question was like from 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 the time you got your first agent to uh, actually, I don't know, having your first big break. How you know how long was it? And did you feel like giving up? You know, it was about fourteen months. The, me- <laughs> the message the message that these guys were just <laughs> delivering on the, on the last question kind of applies here as well, because uh, for me. I, I just did whatever I could do, wherever I could do it, on stage, anywhere, whatever you need me to do. Sing, dance, beatbox, try and act, which I was, that was probably my worst. 
I could sing. I've been singing my whole life, but but the acting was so new to me, and I had no training. And uh, I got to New York, and I beatboxed off Broadway, and then I got a little show called Alter Boys, and I got an agent from from that show. Uh, and to me, that was the big that was a big break. Like, uh, and I did that show for two years, and then my first pilot season came around. I got Friday Night Lights, but it was. I already felt, because I had been performing so much and just performing anywhere and everywhere and learning uh, everywhere I could, like, I already felt like I had already kind of made it when I, when I got the agent. I think two months. Like, I think it was pretty quick. It was just a guest star where I had, like, four, it was on Dirty Rock, and it was, like, uh, Dirty Rock, and it was Alec Baldwin scared the hell out of me, and it was, like, huh. and so it was, like, three or four lines or something like that, but it came pretty quick. I I got I got an agent like pretty young and I had a couple of guest stars over like a period of maybe four years but I I didn't like I never I didn't tell, let's put it this way I didn't tell anybody publicly that I was an actor for like five years until I did Generation Kill and then I was like okay now I'm passably an actor because um, I wasn't I wasn't I was still waiting table I mean my life was not acting. At that time, you told the customers that you were waiting on the chateau. <laughs> Hi, I'm an actor. And like, <laughs> no, I, actually, I used to come up with all kinds of like real. Like I would just like I felt it like it was a creative pursuit of like when people would be like, "You're an actor, aren't you?" I'd be like, "No, I'm, I'm chimney sweep." You know, like, like whatever. You know, I would like you know anything that wasn't that because I I felt like that was until you know people say fake it till you make it. I don't know. I was like something I I couldn't for some reason I couldn't I couldn't do it. So I I. Yeah. Oh. There's some comedian who said that this is the only job where you, like people get to claim to do it without ever having d- done it. Like you know, you can say I'm an actor, and then oh, what do you what have you done? Well, I mean, I you know, I haven't. You can't do that as a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that is what actors do all the time. They pretend to be doctors. Yeah. Um, um, I saw there was a hand. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Um, it's a bunch of nihilists up here, didn't you hear? Yeah. I got I got something if you what you guys think. Um yeah, it was, it was I do. I loved your performance as Annie <laughs> in the off Broadway production. Um uh, no, in college, I, uh, I very briefly got to play Hamlet, and um, it was a, you know a tiny fucking shithole production. Uh, you know, we performed for maybe 150 people every night, but I am a huge Shakespeare nerd, and I think any time you get the opportunity to encounter something that feels greater than yourself, I think that's sort of a uh, synecdoche. It's like a small a small moment that represents the whole of what you're trying to achieve with this with this um, sort of process, which is that you're trying to j- join something that feels greater than just being a, a, an individual on this planet and uh, getting to play Hamlet terribly some nights um, and better other nights. I felt like. I was, you know, at the threshold of what it was that I was trying to pursue. And it doesn't have to be for a big audience. You know, I wasn't getting paid. There weren't that many people there. But the joy in the labor and the joy in the play of it was something I think about every day. And I got a scar from it because I ran into some scaffolding. (laughs) I'm like the one comedian here. I 
I fall down a lot for a living. <laughs> so, you know, there's that. One of my favorite things that I, uh, that I did um, is something like nobody's ever seen. It was a horrible web series that a friend of mine got roped into doing. He's, he's my best friend. And all we do in our own lives is just sit around and talk to each other as ridiculous characters. And, and it's, you know, and play video games. And, uh, <clears throat> and then we... Um, and he got roped into doing this this web series and was like, look, it's not, you know, probably not going to be like that big a deal. Not, probably not even going to be very good. But I would love for you to play um, my character's sidekick in it. And I was like, mom, like, it, it, you know, it's probably not going to be good, but I would love to just work with my buddy. And um, I've never had more fun acting, to be honest. Like, Partly because the the stakes are so low, um, and that that was a great lesson too. Just like you know, this this business, like every audition, the, the, it's like especially once it becomes your livelihood, the stakes are so high that you a lot of the fun is is taken out of it, you know, because um, it because suddenly you need it. But when you know, I didn't need that job, and I was just screwing around with my friend. It was, and and honestly, because I. I got started acting because I wanted to do comedy, and then I just, like, you know, I was saying in an interview yesterday or the day before that, um, like, the, the dramatic part of me is, I'm sorry, the, the comedic part of me is jealous of the dramatic part because I keep getting dramatic roles, but I, I, you know, and I'm grateful for it, but I want to, you know, my heart's in, in just riffing and being stupid. I have a similar reaction, actually, which is that thought I was a comic actor. <laughs> I was in college, and I thought that's what I'd do. I thought I'd come out to L.A., and I'd, I'd get a sitcom, and that's what I wanted to do, or make funny movies. And then sort of, uh, you know, the business has a way of sort of deciding for you what it wants out of you. And it wanted me to be in a suit, and, <laughs> and to be not in movies, uh, and to be in our dramas, largely. Um, so they're, I'm very proud of the things I've been... I've been I did a lot of stuff with Aaron Sorkin, largely because he's a very good friend of mine. And so, I mean, I, I really I cut a lot of corners through a pure, you know, a fortune. Um, so I'm proud of a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of Scandal, and I'm enjoying it, and I love it. But I feel like I would also go to, I created a very ridiculous, I don't think anyone's seen it even, a ridiculous, broad, like, physical comedy web series called Backwash I wrote, and I was in it. And, like, when you ask that question, it's like, oh, that's kind of what I'm... That was kind of my version of what I would like to be doing, what I think I'm good at, and uh, so I'm sort of proud of that. And you do have to go to the... Uh, since you're not... Um, I'm sort of comfortable with the fact that being an actor largely is being a small cog in a large machine, and uh, you know, I play the roles that people uh, offer me. Um, but there are all these great opportunities now on whatever level to create something for yourself and for your friends and do the kind of material that uh, maybe you'd like to do that others don't see you doing. I have the same. I, I did a wrote and produced and started in a web series that uh, I had so much fun doing. And I think, you know, yeah, I don't know. Just when you get to be, it's like, called stupid hype. It's called stupid hype. <laughs> um, it's anytime you get to kind of be the master of your own fate. I think in this town a little bit, it it so it feels so liberating. Um, and then the kind of flips the the flip side of it is that when like um, you're saying you know like when you're on a production, oftentimes you know this is a, it's a highly collaborative art, 
And so unless you're incredibly blessed to be like the face um, in like a super dramatic role or an incredibly funny thing, 90% of the time you don't really have the moment that like people are walking away with like, that was the guy, that was the moment. Um, so what you, what you have to take a lot of comfort and pride in is being part of something bigger than you. And that's actually, that can be really exciting in its own way. Like, I was a small part in Generation Kill, but I was like, I'm working with my idol, and the creator of the show is the guy who did The Wire. And I was like, this guy is, to me, like, a hero. An absolute hero. And the fact that, like, I can be, I don't know, it was like, the fact that I could be in his presence. I'm, like, almost crying. Uh, (laughs) No, I'm serious. Like, it's weird. Like, I, I felt honored to be that. And that's something like, um, you know, if you're, working in, if you're working at Bear Stearns, like, I don't know if the guy who, like, sees the, you know, the white-cuffed mogul was like, wow, that guy's amazing and, like, was brought to tears. But, uh, I don't know, I've, now I feel really weird. <laughs> um, I, <clears throat> I loved playing Jason Street. There was a responsibility came along uh, with that show and with that character, but there's, I did a little two-day shoot on a Hugh Grant movie, uh, and we shot a music video, uh, and it was kind of like, I, I gave my life to music for seven years before I started acting, and I, I got so close, and I really thought like music was going to be my life, and uh, it just I failed so miserably like in the end, and and then that was like the first film I ever shot and I shot a little music video and I was like it's my first music video ever and it's me and Hugh Grant doing a, an 80's wham send off uh, and it's called Pop Goes My Heart and, uh, and it, might, it might be like just for the pure like shits and giggles of it might be one of my fa- the favorite thing I've ever done because it was just the two of us singing and dancing and being idiots and it was, and it was freeing and it was fun so um, in, in my, the last play that I did in college, we did Romeo and Juliet, and it was a really cool, exciting production. It's kind of rock and roll, and I've always been in bands, and, um, the Montagues had a band, and we crashed the Capulets Ball, and it was, it sounds much cheesier than it was, but it was an awesome director named John Lang, who's now up at Oregon Shakes, I think, or somewhere, or maybe he's up in Washington, but, anyways, um, so a really cool, edgy production that taught me a lot and sort of made me go, okay, no, you, you like... I was leaving college feeling like I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, now I kind of feel like I know which way to start heading. And then I did a production of, in high school of um, Picasso at the La Panagiel, and I played Einstein badly. And that's probably the most fun I've ever had. You know? So three web series, two college productions, a high school show, and a music video. <laughs> These are the things of which we're proud of. I think the point is that it doesn't really matter, you know? It's like you find, like, at the, because we're all still, like, striving to do something else that's, that inspires us and gives us passion. I don't know. Like, I think that's really cool. And, it, and the fact that, like, all of these things that we've done that it, we're, we feel wonderful about hasn't stopped us from, like, continuing on and doing stuff that we don't necessarily always love. Because it takes so much kind of perseverance. I don't know. All right. Yeah, I think we can do one quick one. One Right there. One quick one, okay. Yes. Um, Thank you so much for all of your generous advice. Encouragement. You have the right to 
Yeah. Into. Did you? You are going to make. Did you just get here? Go now. <laughs> Just work. I would say, actually, um, L.A. has a pretty good theater scene now, and that's something that's changed drastically in the last five to ten years. And I think, actually, you know, you can, you can really, if you work at it, you can, when, you, when you first get to L.A., you know, if you kind of do some, some research about what theater companies are, are doing stuff, I mean, you can, you can actually really get into those rooms, you know, even without an agent and stuff. You can, you can look in the... Um, it was, what's it called? Backstage West? Yeah. They still have that. And the online version of that, what is that called now? Do you guys know? I forget. Anyway, th- you can find, there's like maybe five, five or ten really good theater companies in L.A. now that are small theaters. And, are, and you know, a lot of people actually have, have gotten their breaks from that. Uh, and I think it used to be the thing that you could only do theater in New York. Like, it, you would never do any theater in L.A. that would really make a difference in your career. But... I would say when you go to L.A., you know, look into the theater aspect of it. And web series are like the new theater companies. Any, yeah. Anything you do by, like the whole point of like a theater company was like, okay, we don't need a huge budget. We just need people who are passionate about something. Maybe your friend writes the thing. Well, guess what? Now you have, you have that and you also have a, a medium to disseminate it, which is the Internet. So, like, you know, you can do that anywhere. My mom always said, work now, play later. That was because my parents did the opposite. They were in a rock band when they were kids, and then by the time they hit 35, they got their first real jobs. And our, my mom drives a school bus, and my dad lays cable for Sprint. My dad's 64 years old, and he's in the Florida heat like laying cable. And I, so I took what she said to me, that's that motto, really, really seriously. So I worked on anything anyone would let me do. I did a stunt show called Pirate's Dinner Adventure. I've seen it. They it's still... They still and Scott they still, is still on the menu. Pirates, like the, the paper menu still bears his likeness. And you're but still I, waiting tables. I, I did like... I, 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 like, I did anything anybody would allow me to do because I just felt privileged to do anything. It's, it's three lines and a little theme park ride at Universal Studios. I did that. Uh, this, this, this thing called Poseidon's Adventure. And, like, and I would like be the tour guide. And, and you learn from every experience. You learn about yourself. You are able... I have stolen something from another actor or a director or, and added it to my own personal repertoire. And every single project I've done, no, no matter how large or how small the project was, they're all very meaningful because they add up and, and it's like pennies a day. Uh, if you save pennies a day, you'll you'll have a fortune in 20 years. You know, and, and not a fortune. You, but not a fortune. <laughs> I'm saying, let's do like, the math here. I'm saying, but you know, if you if you if you, if you kind of <laughs> penny. All right, let's all right. Let's go five cents a day for 20 years. That's a pretty good chunk of money. But yeah, I mean, you can buy a car with that. Come on. Somebody have an iPhone? Yeah, <laughs> yep, I'm doing it right. I do. I want to add to that. So do you do the math. 365 bucks, right? I wanted to throw my two cents and add to the work and do everything and every opportunity you have in small film and theater. First of all, because when we went down the table, our proudest moments were theater and web series and stuff like that. So, So that can be some of the most rewarding stuff. And also the people you come up with and that you work with, and the guy who was stage managing the little play you did in the Black Box Theater is going to be directing a film two years later, and it, it makes sense to build a network of friends and people that you work with in a troupe, and because everyone comes up uh, simultaneously, and people want to work 
with people that they know and that they have working relationships with. So don't worry too much about the level of the thing you're doing. Find other good, like-minded You'll have $36,500. No, no, you'll have 36,500 pennies. You'll have... No, 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 you'll have 300... 365 dollars. $365. You have 36,000 pennies. I'm glad we did this, folks. Really glad. I was a structural engineering major in college, and I had forgotten how to add, subtract, or multiply. Acting is awesome. <laughs> Thank you guys for sitting with us for a little while and for, I guess, it's the last panel. So thanks for coming to the festival as well, guys. Now leaving Nerdist.com.